So we want to thank you for joining us today. Um, and uh, today, I believe, I believe that we have Jason and Andrew online. Uh, I'm, I, I hopefully look. I don't. I don't even know, guys. I'm gonna be honest with you. We're gonna we're gonna try this uh, this one again. We're gonna try this new program that we're on. One and um, uh, we're we're wondering if we're gonna be twitching or we're gonna show some weird things on our face. But we're gonna try to fix that so we can have this conversation with no issues. I don't know. We'll see what happens. But anyways, we want to welcome everybody that's joining us today. Um, uh, I, I see already uh, this time we got a newcomer as the very first Happy Sabbath. We got Haley Rivas. Uh, that's that's from Inland Spanish. Once again, uh, Inland Spanish representing. No offense, High Desert. Okay, but uh, you know we, the first the first two Happy Sabbaths come from Inland Spanish, uh, so that's uh, that's good stuff. Uh, but we want to welcome Haley, uh, hey, Jessica. Can I give a yeah. Go go go! Give a shout out to to our, to our high desert people right there. We, we yeah, got, yeah, we got someone coming back. We got Christopher Lopez and Jaylene always always showing their support. Always showing their support. Hey, oh, and of uh, course, my Chris, mom. I don't want to forget about my mom. You cannot <laughs> forget about your mom. That's true. And Chris, after like a hiatus, because I, I think he had disappeared for some time. I don't know if he went down to Los Cabos or something like that, just out on vacation and everything. <laughs> but you know, we want to we want we want to welcome Chris back. Um, and uh, it, it's good to see. You guys here and of course anybody else who may be watching us i know we have a lot of other people again give us a shout out let us know that you're doing good uh and again happy sabbath to every single one of you today uh jason andrew how are you guys doing i'm doing good man it's getting hot finally for a while it's finally been getting warmed up but other than that i've been doing good work hasn't been too bad they still got me up and running so it's good i got i got some, some news for you guys you got um one of the brothers uh, I know uh, Brother Antonio told me he, he wanted to rebuke us. So I wanted to bring this live to you guys. He bring said it he up. Bring to it rebuke up us because he, he said, he said, you guys, you guys shouldn't be talking about sports. He said, sports are not going to be in heaven. I said, oh man. He said, we're in danger of hellfire. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know what I told him? I told yeah, him, he said, you're, you're a better saint, a better saint than I am. I told him, uh, like, like, uh, like Jesus told uh, uh, the Pharisee, "You're, uh, you're not far from the kingdom." <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, no, for sure. Uh, you know, we also got to have the conversation with Paul. Paul was bringing up sports back in his day as well. Like that was, uh, that was interesting too. Uh, but anyway, that's, that's another conversation for another day. I'm not going to get into that. By the way, uh, we want to make a shout out to Cindy. Cindy, who is thinking that I am dissing at this moment, High Desert? Absolutely not. Um, well, you know, well, I don't, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just, honestly, uh, I'm just giving a shout out to Inland Spanish, but uh, we'll give a shout out to High Desert as well. Why not? Uh, and, uh, you know, um, just, just in case, so, so there are no hard feelings, uh, you know, High Desert uh, obviously holds a very special place in my heart, especially the hey, English bro, that, that seems forced, bro. That seems forced. It, it, you know what? It's genuine. Uh, the, the man upstairs understands what I'm talking about. But anyways, uh, it's good to have all of you. That's, that's really what we want to see. That's really what we want. Uh, and we appreciate it. And ultimately, I, I want to repeat kind of what our goal has been from the very beginning, which was to bring something to both our inland Spanish youth and high desert uh, bilingual youth, right? And so we really do appreciate everybody that's been uh, that's been joining us. Um, and I, and by the way, I, I see uh, um, uh, our sister uh, Marilena who is saying we need a female voice. Yes, we agree with that. The interesting thing is that we have invited some females to join us, and none of them had said yes before. So yeah. We need that to happen, right? If you're up for having a conversation with us, give us a shout out. Uh, reach out to the Instagram, right, Jason? Yeah, um, just reach out to our Instagram. 
Um, I mean, we put it out there before. I, we're going to figure something out so it could be on the screen so it has the little link and everything. We'll figure it out somehow. We're still figuring out the kinks for the program, but it's Keep Calm Advent On. And besides Instagram, it has all, all the links there so you could uh, either uh, direct message us, send us emails, whatever it is with questions, whatever you guys got for us. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, and I just wanted to add to that. I know we've been talking about merch for a very long time. And we have we haven't really come out with the merch, but now we officially have our logo. And by next week, I shall have a a, a t-shirt for you guys to see to check out. And, and hope hopefully by the next two weeks, you'll see us with our new uh, uh, our new polos with a little uh, logo on it. <laughs> nice, very nice. Keep calm and advent on. That's that's a message we got going on. By the way, uh, we we truly do believe that in the craziness that we are currently living in. You got to keep calm and you got to keep looking to the coming of Jesus. So uh, again, we want to welcome everybody again. Shout out to everybody that's joining us right now. Uh, and I think the last uh, message was from Ivan. Um, and we want to get into this conversation, guys, because I think I think it's a uh, it's it's an interesting one. Um, and and more than anything, I think it's uh, relevant to our conversations, in, in my opinion. Um, and we've titled it about them haystacks. OK, and and if you are. Uh, Seventh-day Adventists, you know exactly what haystacks are about, but that's kind of what we want to be talking about. And this is going to be a conversation, not just only for those who are Seventh-day Adventists, but these conversations, in fact, this is going to be more than just one conversation. We're, we're going to stretch this out uh, to two, potentially three conversations, depends how things go. Uh, but we want to talk about Adventist identity, right? And so if you have a friend who is, ad, who is not Adventist, they know you're Adventist, this may actually be a very good conversation to share with them right. And be able to have. So, um, you know, and, and I, I see, um, uh, Jaylene talking about, she wants the first uh, bit of merch and I got to make a shout out to my wife, Angie Ramirez, who's saying happy Sabbath. by the way, I love haystacks and I can vouch for that. She does, uh, we do <laughs> haystacks at home, uh, even outside of church, believe it or not. And, and Christian, <laughs> we will be getting those hats. That's another thing too. We're, we're definitely going to be working on the hat. <laughs> yeah, I'm actually work, uh, working on the first one. So yeah, absolutely. But again, uh, we we uh, we're very thankful for all of you connecting with us, and uh, we hope that today's conversation will be a blessing. So, uh, we're, we're going to start off as we normally do. We're going to have a word of prayer. Uh, Andrew, you want to lead us in a word of prayer? Bow our heads, dear Lord and Heavenly Father. Lord, we come once again, Lord, uh, just as your, your your children, Lord, to have a, a conversation um, about some of the more relevant things that we have. Uh, today in our age, Lord, and uh, as we seek and put light on the, the Seventh-day Adventist Church, we just ask that uh, in every way that we may represent the Seventh-day Advent Adventist Church, Lord, that uh, your Holy Spirit would be the one that guides this conversation, and that ultimately someone who maybe doesn't know about the Seventh-day Adventist Church may come out learning uh, what we're all about, and more importantly, Lord, uh, what you're all about. Lord, we just ask that you be with us in this conversation. In name I pray. Amen. Amen. Appreciate that, Andrew. Um, all right. So again, uh, we thank everybody that's joining us and uh, we want to jump into this conversation, but we want to remind you that we want to see you in this conversation as well. So please join us in the chat. Um, and, and again, we're using this program that actually allows us to show your comments. So if there's a good question that we can involve in the conversation, we'll put it up on the screen. And uh, and then that way um, uh, we can uh, we can all be part of this. All right. So um I want to start off with a very non non theological question. No, it's not the haystacks question, 
Um, I, I, I just, this is just kind of a, a brief, um, see if we connect on this, uh, before we even jump into discussing what Adventism was, is about, was about, tell me just a little bit about how it felt growing up Adventist. Cause I know that, that both of you grew up as Adventist for the, for the majority of your life. Um, and, and let me just start off saying that, uh, growing Adventist was a little weird at times. Uh, it was a little difficult at times. Um, you know, it's just, just kind of different to everyone, but at the same time, I'm so thankful for that experience. And, uh, and I, and I'm thankful that the Lord has given me the opportunity to be Seventh-day Adventist. I'm proud of that. Um, but you know, as a kid, it was tough sometimes explaining what Adventism was about. And so I just, I'm just curious, Jason, Andrew, uh, how, how was growing up briefly? I mean, I, I don't need to give me a whole life story on this, but briefly, how, how was growing up Adventist like? Well, in my, in my case, it would probably be the same thing as yours. Um, from my dad's side of the family, we're the only ones that are non-Catholic. So that was always a challenge um, because they, they just viewed us different. They just viewed us weird. We would go to Mexico and we would take off, um, go to the little churches out there in Atlan. Um, and um, they just thought it was weird. And then um, on my mom's side, uh Two of her sisters were Adventist. One of them still remains Adventist. So um, it wasn't so difficult. And my mom's side was a little bit more understanding. The only, the only, like being a kid and being Adventist, the only tough part was when it would come to Saturdays and like, you know, watching a movie with the cousins or like going to play video games or like going to go play outside on a Saturday. Like trying to explain that as a, as a six-year-old, seven-year-old, eight-year-old, that's like the only thing that was kind of kind of rather tough. But other than that, I can't say there was necessarily something that that could have even like have traumatized me growing up Adventist. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Andrew, what about you? How 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 was how was growing up Adventist like? I think we all share a similar background. You know, we probably grew up, well grew up in different areas, but definitely, I think. Um, Something about when you're when you're a child when you're young that's hard to understand. I guess some of these things. Um, you know, my both both my parents were seven. Well, seven. My let me correct myself. My from my dad's side, everybody is Seventh Day Adventist, and my mom converted to Seventh Day Adventist uh, when I was about one years old. So technically, I grew up in the Seventh Day Adventist church. But um, yeah. Well, like you guys said, some of the things that were hard for me when we were young. You know, when uh, your favorite pro program, uh, the Power Rangers comes on comes out on saturday and you can't watch uh, it yes. and your friends yes. are telling you about, about what's happening on these episodes and then uh and then uh, during the week all of a sudden you don't even want to watch them anymore you're all sad and bummed and uh <laughs> you know the, the, the struggle is i'm not gonna lie you know as a as a young person i remember um wanting to play sports i know uh, my parents put me in uh uh adventist league in in, in south bay academy they have a a, a league on sundays where they have basketball and they have a uh, uh, baseball and all these different things. They had us in baseball. My brother bro, in soccer. Bro, hold on, hold on, bro, hold on. Wait, you were playing South Bay Academy on Sundays, yes. dude. I was playing yes. South Bay Academy on Sundays. Uh, soccer. <laughs> no way, bro. Yeah, maybe we ran into each other. Who knows? But yeah, my hey, my brother was just hey, like, hey, there. I'm part of the adventure culture. It's a small world. You, the, the I, it really is. It really is. Absolutely. Sorry, man. I just I just got excited when you said that. No, it's it's true, but it's tough. There's some of the struggles that we go through because you know, 
you know, you're young, you play sports and do all that stuff. But then all of a sudden, when you get older, there's not gonna, there's no South Bay Academy for <laughs> for 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 Christian uh, young adults, right? And then you start, you know, you know, our uh, minor year favorite uh, 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 sport, basketball. You know, that, that was something yeah. that I that I literally played when they dropped me off at school, when I got back every time. And so not being able to, I guess, you know, pursue that to some sense kind of left me with that like bitter feeling, I guess, mm-hmm. when I was young, of course, you know, and, and it was kind of a struggle with, with some of these different things. Like, just like you said, you want to go out with friends. Most of them go out on Saturday. You know, some of these holidays. You know, I, I'm I'm not gonna lie. You know, when uh when I was young and I would see uh some of the kids that they were they were going to Halloween and they would dress up. It's like, oh, why can't we go to do a, a trick or treat? You know, we're just gonna get candy. We're gonna do all these things, right? As a young person, you really don't understand the other side of the coin, and it's a, it's, it's a struggle, and, and definitely it, it was it was tough, you know. Yeah, absolutely. I, and I think I again, it's not it's not the easiest thing I think is what I'm hearing from all of us. It, there were its tough moments. Uh, but for the record, I mean, and I, and I just interject this and just say that that Christianity was never meant to be easy anyways. Right. I mean, even yeah. as a Christian, there are things that we struggle with. Um, but, uh, but I just wanted to start off there because I think that a lot, you know, and if you identify, if you're watching us and you identify with this, let us know, because I, I think that many of us have had that same experience growing up you know, kind of feeling like we're, we're uh, in ourselves. Even when I went to college, because I went to UC Santa Cruz for um, uh, for my bachelor's, and I I felt like and probably was the only Adventist among 14,000 students, right? So uh, it's, there are just moments where you look around. If you didn't go to academy, if you went to public school like I did, you looked around and you were like, man, I'm I'm the only one. And so, yeah, it gets, it gets a little tough. But uh, as tough as it gets, you know, there's substance behind what it means to be Adventist. And, and I, I want to make sure that I recognize, and again, a shout out to uh, those who have, um, who have, uh, 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 have mentioned something in the chat right now, because I see uh, we got Christian, uh, with, obviously with the hats, he mentioned that. Uh, we got Marcy, uh, sister-in-law. Uh, so uh, we, we uh, give a shout out to her. Uh, we got um, uh, Jasmine. It, it looks like that last name. I've seen that last name before. I'm assuming that's your wife, ja- uh, Andrew. Um, oh yes, it is. Yeah, there we go. So shout out to her and we got Camila as well coming in. Um, so thank you for all of you that are joining us, but, uh, I believe that there is substance behind what it means to be Adventist. And that's kind of what we're trying to get to. And I want to make sure that we don't ignore this question that, uh, Jessica is giving us, which is about, uh, this, uh, issue of conservative and and liberal and things like that. We're not going to get into that immediately, but perhaps we can get into that in, in, you know, later on in the conversation. So, uh, you know, if I forget, remind me that that, con- that question is there. All right. Let's start off with just looking at where Adventism comes from. This may be review for some. This may be new for some of you as well. But I think it's important that we start there. And so let, let's just begin just talking about where does Adventism come from? Uh, where, where do these ideas come from that eventually formed into our church? We want to give that a shot. <laughs> well, I think I think it, we could start off by we everybody that was raised Adventist or that has been Adventist for for some time now would clearly understand that the Adventist Church started after what's known as the Great Disappointment. And there was actually um <clears throat> we were talking with you, Mitch, that you made it clear like the Great Disappointment. Like a lot of people refer to it as the Adventists talking about that. But the great disappointment isn't necessarily 
an Adventist event. It's mm-hmm. something that happened that led to Adventism. So that's also that, that's just something that was bothering me that I had to point out. It's not an Adventist event, but it is something that started the Adventist movement. Um, so after eighteen, um, everything, everything that happened in October, um, from my understanding, there was three groups that formed out of the great out of the great um, disappointment. There was those that stopped believing in God all completely, and then there was those that just kept on believing that Jesus was still going to come. And then there was those that were like, wait, Jesus is still coming. We just got the, Adve- the, the, the event wrong. That's where Adventists start. That's where Adventists come into the picture. So you say, so you say it starts the Millerite movement. Now, and we, we were having a conversation. We were prepping for this, uh, for this program. And, and uh, believe it or not, Andrew, you, uh, I, I, got, I, got, I got to thinking what you were saying. I want to hear what you got to say. Uh, because we were having a little bit of a heated discussion there. Um, and, and it turns out, I think you may have convinced me just a little bit, but but, but let's hear what you think about this. All right. Um, where does Adventism come from? Uh, and, I, and I share with you, Jason, I hear you, but uh, Andrew, what do you think? Yeah, that, that's interesting. No, that, absolutely. What I agree 100% with what uh, Jason's saying. But I, I want to take us back even further than that. And um, like go. Mitchell said, we were actually kind of, we were actually kind of, uh, I don't want to say arguing, but we're we're talking we're we're passionate about it. <laughs> we were discussing, right? And um, uh, we want I wanted to go all the way. He says, "Man, I told him we're, I want to talk about the Puritans." He said, "You want to go all the way back to the Puritans?" <laughs> and um, the reason why I want to go back all the way there is um, it kind of reminds me, uh, you know, the the most famous quote that Ellen White has, right, where it says, "We have nothing to fear, lest we forget about how God has led us in the past." I think that when we're talking about where the SDA church started, where Adventism came from. I think it's important for us to understand where we uh, get our principles from, where um, we, we, uh, we get some of our different ideas about the Seventh-day Adventist church and how we move forward uh, with some of the pillars that we have of our faith, right? So when we think about if we start all the way back from the Puritans, and we could probably go further back and further back, but we, we definitely wouldn't have time for that. So we have the Puritans, right, who all of a sudden are breaking off from the Church of England, right? And the, what we know as the pilgrims, right, who come to the Americas, right, to uh, establish, I guess, the, the you know, the, the freedom to uh, worship, right, this, this freedom of religion that they came. Um, and and I, there's, there's some interesting points that I want us to actually look at in, in uh, going through um, uh, the Puritans. Um, there's this book called A Search for Identity that uh, that uh, Mitch actually introduced to me that I recommend to everybody by George Knight, if you guys haven't read it. And he does a summary, right, of all this, a really great summary. But I want to read to you guys this quote from Ellen White that she has. It says, God had permitted trials to come upon his people to prepare them for the accomplishment of his gracious purpose toward them. The church had been brought low that she might be exalted, Right. I think it's an important quote that she says there because it seems like when the Puritans come here, right, they, when they leave England for religious freedom, it's all, almost like they were starting from scratch, right? Hmm. And if we fast forward all the way to where we're at now with uh, Seventh-day Adventists, of course, we have different views than what the Puritans have, right? Because we, we understand as Ellen White or the Bible tells us that there's a progressive understanding, right, to all of this. But one of the interesting things that I find is that when we look at the Puritan church at, at its core, even they believed in progressive understanding. This idea that God has more and more light 
to give to us, right, as we come in closer and closer to his second coming, right? So it wasn't something that just started with Ellen White, this idea of progressive understanding, right? Because if we look at the uh, early Puritan church, unlike us, they still believed in state and church, right? This idea that church should legislate, right, uh, 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 some of the state affairs, right? Um, they also uh, believed in, uh, what do you call it, Calvinism, right? What we were debating last week, right? Predestination, which is the idea that, you know, God knows everything in it and he has predestined everything in its, in its place, right? But one of the things right here is a, a, a quote from John Robinson, right? Which was one of the uh, Puritan leaders at that time, says, he's writing this to, to, his, to his fellow brethren. He says, brethren, we are now ere long to part asunder and the Lord knoweth whether I shall live ever to see your faces more. But whether the Lord had appointed it or not, I charge you before God and his blessed angels to follow me no further than I have followed Christ. If God should reveal anything to you by any other instrument of his, be as ready to receive it as ever you were to receive the truth of my ministry. For I am very confident that the Lord has more truth and light yet to break forth of his holy word. So we see that this idea of progressive understanding goes even further back than Ellen White, the SDA church. This is something that even goes back to the Puritans, right? And, and of course, we can even trace it back to the early Christian church, right? And, and the apostles, right? This idea of, of God uh, bringing more and more truth, uh, right? And then we have, this is the very just the very first influence that we have, right? The Puritan church. But we also have some other uh, some other influences that we have that I know that you, Mitch, want to go into, right? Like the Anabaptists, right? Or, or the Restorationist movement. Why you smile, man? I'm, so, I'm smiling because because uh, I, I don't know if I want to get into it, but you know, by all means, you get into it. <laughs> uh, no. You're the one that told me about it. No, yes, that's true. That's true. But 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 there are. But in fact, before we even get into the Restorationists, let me, let me just kind of um, uh, do one up here real quick. Just 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 take a step back as you went to the Puritans, I actually want to go a hundred years before that. Uh, as I oh, said, yeah, I think you convinced me just, <laughs> just a little bit, but here's the thing. Okay. Even before the Puritans, you had the Protestant reformation. And, and mm. I think it's important that we talk about the Protestant reformation for just, uh, just 30 seconds at most. Protestant reformation is the great breakup between the Catholic church and what was known, uh, what eventually became known as the Protestant movement. Um, and the Protestant Reformation ended up having five basic principles, also known as the five solas, right? You guys have heard this before. Many of you have heard this before. Uh, and it's uh, sola scriptura, sola fide, sola gratia, sola Cristo, and sola, soli deo gloria, uh, which basically means um, uh, only scripture, okay? And, and this is, this is a, a, uh, a discussion against the practices of the Catholic Church at the time, saying that true salvation comes from only scripture, it comes only from faith. It comes only from grace. It comes only from Christ, and only God deserves the glory, right? Uh, and eventually, the Protestant uh, or the Protestant movement breaks off of the Catholic Church, right? And uh, yeah, somebody says, "Let's go back all the way to the apostles." Yes, the Adventist Church it, it comes. It was Christopher. <laughs> yeah, it was Christopher. Of course, it would be. Um, but but anyway, so the Protestant movement breaks off from the Catholic Church, which is eventually where you get the Puritans from, right? The Puritans are part of this protestant movement but i think it's important that we go back and again and this is where you convinced me just a little bit 
because there is a very, very important concept, especially that very first one where we talk about sola scriptura, which means only scripture. That means that authority, that, that doctrinal authority can only come from the Bible and the Bible alone, right? And, and I think that that eventually leads directly to what Adventism is about. And I think we're going to mention this a little bit. I know you mentioned restorationism right now. I think we're going to get to that, right? Uh, but, I, you know, I, I don't know if I want to get into the Anabaptists. You can get into the Anabaptists if you'd like. But I, okay. I just wanted to say that I think that that there is something there. And and let me just add this. I think that you're supposed to talk about Protestants and Puritans, sure, and Anabaptists, and eventually the development of Methodism and all these things. Because when you look at what Jason was saying, the Millerite movement, the Millerite movement was essentially a composition of many different Christians from a lot of different denominations, right? But all of them Protestant. Okay, that we can agree on. All of them Protestant. And so all these different things come together, but there's one thing that joins them. And I think I, I think that's where at least I would like to focus on. One thing that joins all these different members from different denominations. Uh, maybe we can make an argument for progressive truth, but more than anything, it's the belief that Jesus was coming soon. And, and in the Millerite movement, Millerite movement, 1800s uh, movement, uh, by the preachings of William Miller and the prophecies of Daniel 8.14, the fact that Jesus was going to come in, in 1844, that leads to this idea of, wait a minute, is or is Jesus not coming soon? And when things go wrong, Jason, right? When things go wrong, then there's a group left over saying what Andrew was saying. If I can connect the ideas, right? Wait a minute. We can't be stuck in what we know. There's got to be progressive understanding to this. Yeah. Okay. So, I, I mean, I just wanted to throw that out. But, Andrew, I mean, by all means, you want to get into the Anabaptists. Let's get into the Anabaptists. I, I don't know. So I, I want to talk, talk about it a little bit, right? Because sure. you did, you did uh, bestow me an Anabaptist when, when I came to Jesus, didn't, <laughs> did, did you not? You, you yes, want to tell a little I'm bit about that story? Uh, no, I don't. But uh, I just everybody knows. I mean, I yeah, I totally did claim you to be an Anabaptist. So uh, you know, uh, right now I, I can see your your fervor to speak about Anabaptism. So hey, let's go. Come on, go ahead. <laughs> oh, uh, I just wanted to mention something interesting, right? Because you 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 mentioned the Reformation, right? That happened. You went even further back than the Puritans, right? In the Reformation. Sure. And what we see is this group of people, the Anab this Anabaptists, that come out on the scene, right? And all of a sudden, just like you were saying. These Anabaptists were not, how would you say it, not okay. Uh, they were not, they were not okay with just the Reformation that happened, right? With the breakaway of the church, uh, uh, the from from the Roman Catholic Church, right? They weren't just okay with that, because like we said, there were still some ideas that lingered in there, right? Uh, infant baptism and and church church and state, and to some extent, uh, that church and state, there was still a legislation that was coming from. The Church of England that, that was legislating uh, belief, right, and all these different things. But the Anabaptists almost saying, like, they took it a step further than the Reformers, right? If any of us ever read The Great Controversy, excellent book. If you guys haven't read it, people like uh, Zwingli, Calvin, Luther, right, all these different Reformers. But in essence, the Anabaptist group, what they said was, yes, yes, we're, we're, we're on board with uh, these Reformers, this change. But they said they almost went to another level where they said it's not OK just for change. We have to go to this restoration of the things that were when in, in the early Christian church. Right. In the New Testament. Right. So they weren't OK or satisfied, I was I would say, with just the changes that had happened up until that point. But they wanted to come to a point. 
where they can say, okay, well, what did the New Testament believers believe, right? And so you see this breakaway, right? And that's where you get uh, uh, the Anabaptist movement. And that, even though it wasn't something that was huge, this Anabaptist movement, it was something that lingered. And then uh, a couple of year, uh, years later, you see the, the Restorationist movement, which uh, directly links to the Seventh-day Adventist Church through the Christian connection, right? Sure, sure. Yeah, yeah, I, and 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 I, I and I think it's I think it's important that we make a mention about the Christian Connection, uh, and without getting into too much detail, the Christian Connection was a separatist movement uh, that eventually yeah. led to uh, the the presence of two very important individuals uh, in Seventh Heaven's history, uh, which is Joseph Bates and James White. They were both part of the Christian Connection, uh, and one of the main things that the Christian Connection believed was in Restorationism. I don't if you want to explain Andrew can you hear me yes no you, no, you were breaking up sorry okay no, <laughs> you're, I was you're cutting off yeah I, I was just saying that uh, I don't I don't know if you want to explain a little bit about what uh, restorationism is yeah no I, I think you gave a well first I want to say uh, acknowledge the comment Giovanni said that I am an Anabaptist so you guys have already dubbed me an Anabaptist <laughs> but anyways, we continue. No, I think you you uh, in one of your <laughs> in, in in one of your seminars, I think you uh, you did uh, you did a great job, uh, Mitch, talking about the restorationists and and how um, this idea of going back to what the early church members did or what they thought, right? So the idea is that just because uh, a certain person, uh, for example, you, you use the example of bishop. Right. Where, you know, now in the seven day Adventist church, we don't use the word bishop. Right. Because of the connotations that it has with the uh, the Roman Catholic Church. Right. Well, uh, right. War, the, in the early uh, Christian church, one of the things that they restored was the the, the anti Trinitarian movement. Many of the people such as um, uh, James, uh, James White. Right. And these other uh, pioneers were actually against the Trinity in the beginning because it had some of those connotations that came along with it. So they were trying to get back to the roots, right? So it's not just because uh, the Catholic Church uses a certain word or symbol that we shouldn't use it, but more, what does the Bible say about these things and go and start from scratch, right? And I think on, on that idea, right, I think it's a very biblical idea as well, not just our pioneers. If we remember the, the lesson that we study a couple uh, some uh, trimest semesters back, about the Nehemiah and the temple restoration, right? We see this throughout the entire Bible where, where Nehemiah almost comes to, the, to the, the people of Israel and says, hey, we have to get back to, to, uh, to, to this calling that God has for his people. We have to remove all these different things, all these idols, and, and get back to what, what uh, the, the, I guess uh, the, 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 another word that they use for it is the primitive movement, right? Or the rest of the restoration. What do you, what do you think? The, the primitive church. Well, look, I, yeah, I mean, I, I agree. And I think that those concepts come into Adventism a lot later. Remember, all this time that we're talking about, there are no Seventh-day Adventists, right? Uh, this is this is pre-Seventh-day Adventist time. But but let's try to connect this idea for a second. Jason, you had mentioned the Millerite movement. Um, where, yeah. where does the Millerite movement lead to uh, the, uh, the Seventh-day Adventist church? I guess if, if, if we can, because I think we have to make that connection, right? to the Seventh-day Adventist Church, because the Seventh-day Adventist Church is established in the year 1863. 
Um, and these ideas of progressive truth, of Protestant Reformation, and uh, when when you're looking at at uh, at this idea of uh, only Scripture, trying to go back to restoring the Christian principles, things like that, uh, how do we connect all those things historically to the Millerite movement and the Seventh Adventist Church? What can you tell us about that, Jason? Well, I mean, so before before even the Millerites were recognized as the Millerites, we see like all of this religious movement going on around those their times. Then we just see like um. They're holding up these big camp meetings and all that stuff. So it, it's really it's 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 a big movement in the vast majority of the United States, from practically from coast to coast. Uh, of my understanding, correct me if I'm wrong. And through all this time, we have we have Miller coming along, and he's really hammering out the prophecies in Daniel. He's really trying to get an understanding. And um, so, in the meaning and in, in the doing of all of this, he comes to the conclusion that. Uh, as we know that that Jesus is coming on a specific date, um, and uh, uh, he's just he's just really pushing that he's really pushing the idea of the advent because before all of this, the advent wasn't necessarily something big. They, everybody just believed in Jesus. Everybody believed in God. They believed the stories in the Bible, but the advent wasn't necessarily the second advent. the um, The second coming of Jesus wasn't something that was really being study wasn't something that was really being like taught or being looking into so on top of him having a lot of backlash for really like pushing this idea he got a lot of backlash after the great disappointment and um uh, like how history puts it after that we that's where we have the big group of of millerites separating off continuing to re to study it because they believe they just had the dates wrong and because of that, we have we had the advents. That's where we have like people like Ellen G. White and James White and all those all 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 of the people that were mainly in their group. They're like, wait, this is the wrong event. The the, mm. the, the, the AT, um, October twenty second, eighteen eighteen forty four. It's something happened that day. Something really did happen, but it wasn't that Jesus was coming back. Sure. And from there, that's where we get. The Adventist movement that from there, like, okay, what did happen? What is what what's happening now? That's when they start researching into like what what's really going on in the prophecies. Yeah, and and look, and let me say this, and now kind of to tie this idea, right? Because we're after the Millerite movement, the Great Disappointment. Uh, a lot of people just break away from this movement. Some even stop believing at all in Christ and Jesus and the Bible. Um, but uh, eventually, once you start getting this group of Adventists, not Seventh-day Adventists, but just Adventists in general, yeah. right? Exactly. That, that, are, that are talking about, hey, what happened? The idea here was to go back into Scripture and figure out what really was going on. And this is where we tie this idea of progressive truth, of restorationism, of, of sola scriptura from, from the uh, Protestant Reformation. The idea that, wait a minute, what we were doing was studying Scripture, trying to get to a conclusion. Scripture is the one that's going to get us out of this, right? Scripture is the one that's going to lead us to truth that obviously eventually, uh, or, or initially we made a mistake here. The mistake was human. The mistake was not in the Bible, right? And so this exactly. dependence on scripture, this desire to continue studying and believing that the prophecies were correct, eventually leads to a solid formation of a group, right? That says, wait a minute, uh, Jesus is coming soon. But we got to figure out what the Bible is really trying to tell us. Andrew, I don't want to cut your inspiration there. I see that finger going up. No, no, no. I, <laughs> uh, no, absolutely true. And I, I wanted to just give some more examples of, of 
of this restoration movement of going back to the to the beginning right one of the biggest ones was the sabbath right because at that time there were uh the the Cal you know the puritans you know uh, through the catholic church and all that there was the the sunday worship right and all of a sudden you see uh, uh people like uh, the pioneers right like james white and um uh, uh joshua himes and all these people who are are how would you say it uh they're trying to see uh what was it that the early church believed right and so that's where they start uh trying to uh, promote the sabbath right as the day of worship right another thing that they believed was um they used to believe that uh, sunset was from 6 p.m to 6 p.m right mm. and then of course we find out later it's it's sunset to sunset right so you see th this movement of going back to uh, the beginning uh the beginning and what did they believe right this uh re restorationist right even more than reform and and we see this because also another um how would you say another um influence that we have is through the methodist church right which is where ellen white comes from and the reason why i bring this up is because when methodism came on the scene all of a sudden this idea of free will came because up until that point the puritans believed that just like uh, calvinism that we were predestined so the, this this idea of Methodism, uh, uh, how would you say it? Um, it felt in people's heart like it was something that was truer to what the Bible said, right? Because hmm. as we we talked about last week, you know, the, this idea versus free will versus predestination, right? There's so much in the Bible that talked about uh, us having free will and, and God having that um, uh, that communication with, with his people and that covenantal uh, act between his people that people when Methodism came on the scene, all of a sudden people were drawn to that. Right. And so all of a sudden we draw from these different places. Right. We draw a uh, uh, right. Uh, this um, progressive truth. Right. From from the Puritans. We we draw this uh, 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 restorationist movement from the Anabaptists. We have this now of uh, free will that we draw from the Methodist Church. And we see all these things come together uh, in the Seventh Day Adventist Church, as you guys were explaining through the Millerite movement. And, and I and I find it interesting um, that you guys uh, you were mentioning something, Mitch, about how um, the, the the Sola right that that came before a hundred years before the puritan movement right but now when the millerite movement comes on right uh someone like miller uh almost uh, he comes into the idea when uh interpreting a prophecy of the tota escritura right which means all of scripture right so this right. idea that when we interpret prophecy right we have to take every all every part of scripture right in, into account so we see uh, all these different things uh, that, that kind of lend to the influence of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, but we see a, a progression that's continuing to happen. Yeah, let me let me say, let me just add this, because I, I, and uh, please, if you disagree with me, by all means, okay? But I, I don't think so much that Adventists are drawing from concepts that are within Anabaptism or Puritans or things like that. I think that what happened was ultimately they're looking at the whole scope of Christianity, right? And there are things that come along with it, obviously, because they come from different backgrounds. But they 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 take some of these things because they are right and they are biblical. See, look, I, I, and I, and I want to make emphasis on that for a second, right? Uh, the idea here is that, you know, why why is it, for example, that we don't, um, I, I don't know, that, that we don't we don't go to mass as an example, right? Um, well, we don't go to mass because that concept of mass, as it is given in modern Catholic church, is not something that is biblical. Oh, 
why actually the perfect example is the Sabbath. Why is it that we're so weird and different when it comes to the day we go to church? Well, first of all, it's not even the day that we go to church. It's the day that we keep right as the seventh day Sabbath. But the reason we do that is because it is biblical. It is biblical. It is not because another church said so. It is not because it comes from this tradition or from that tradition. Truth be told, and now I'm speaking personally, and again, this could be totally wrong and I could even get fired for this. I personally do not care what any other denomination says. My question is, is it biblical or not? Does it have the biblical support? Can I go back into scripture and support it? And if the answer is no, then why would I believe it? If the answer is yes, then I'm going to keep pushing forward on this. And I think that one of the basic fundamental ideas of Adventism is about whether or not you find biblical support or not, right? If there is no biblical support, forget about it. And and I, I, I'm probably going to speak for all Adventism, which I shouldn't do, but I think, honestly, my sentiment should be the sentiment of every Adventist. Adventism cares very little about what others say, but we care a lot, or we should care a lot, about what the Bible says. And you, you make a really good point, because if we look back right after the Millerite movement, right after the, the, the how we know it in Spanish, the Gran Chasco, um, that's exactly what they did. They went back into the Bible. That's that, that's exactly what, because even up to, till the, to that point, the Sabbath wasn't necessarily a present truth to all. The Sabbath wasn't a staple of the Adventist church at the time. They were just Adventists, like you were saying earlier, because they believed in the second coming, but they were not fully converted on the fact of it, them being Seventh-day Adventists, which was believing as uh, in the Sabbath as the, the, the true day of worship. Um, and th that's exactly what they did. So that's something that's, I feel like that's one of the staples of Ad of the Seventh-day Adventist church is going back to the Bible, going back and making sure that everything is biblical, trying to be trying to be as biblical as we can with things to the, to the T. Um, I mean, it was something that we've talked about when, like when we do these conversations, the, one of the things that we try to do the most is to make sure that everything that we say has a biblical, has a biblical mm -hmm. proof behind it. And it's the same thing with Adventism, that uh, everything that the, the, all the beliefs of Adventism, the 28 beliefs, they all have a biblical support and are founded biblically, biblically. Yeah, let me let me say this, Andrew. Before you say what you're going to say right now, let, let me let me just say this because I think I think uh, we've had conversations, a lot of conversations, on Calvinism, you and I, okay. And um, and I think I think both you and Jason are going to be able to share this. But check this out: a lot of people will go in and say, and, and we're going to talk about Ellen White in the next conversation. But but for now, a lot of people will push back and say, "Oh, well, you guys got a prophet? That's really weird. How could you have a prophet, right?" And and what and what blows my mind is that people don't seem to understand that Ellen White, as a prophet, would literally point to the Bible and say that is the only standard of truth. Whereas, by the way, and we quote Ellen White, and here you go, we quote Ellen White almost in the same fashion that a Baptist would quote John Calvin. I kid you not, okay? Listen to, to Baptists talking about Calvinism, and you will hear them quoting uh, John, uh, Calvin, as if it was scripture itself, you know, but there's no problem there, but there is a pushback on Ellen White when Ellen White literally says, Hey, the only thing that we can stand upon is scripture is scripture and is scripture. She literally says, all I am is a little light pointing to the big one. That's it. 
And so you you look at this, right? And I, I think that truly distinguishes us as a church. I mean, and I think we should talk about that. But go ahead, Andrew, before we get into what distinguishes us, right? Go ahead. You were gonna say something. No, 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 yeah. I just want to kind of add to what you were saying. No, absolutely. If I gave the impression that that I think that that we're you know, the idea of drawing from different churches, I I believe that God has, like we were saying, uh led his church progressively in our understanding. I believe in to this day that there's other religions that don't believe the same thing we do and still have truth in them. There are certain things in that religion that have truth, but the idea is to get to the truth, the, the, the total truth, right, that God would want us to have. And I think that that's what the, the foundation of, of the biblical, the Seventh-day Adventist church was trying to get to, right? And that's why we see them not, okay, I, I don't know want to say a draw from the different churches, but, you know, uh, uh, there was different truths into which the Bible led them that they kept as they moved closer and closer to the truth, right? And uh, this idea you were saying that, um, that that the Bible alone was 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 our source, I think is interesting because there's three uh, different points as a Seventh-day Adventist uh, in this book, uh, uh, A Search for Identity, um, that, that he makes. The, the progressive truth, the present truth, and the anti-credal, right? In this idea of being anti-credal, the idea that we don't hold to a certain creed, right? But we hold to the Bible as our sole uh, uh, um, source for truth, right? There's this quote from Ellen White where she says, the fact that certain doctrines have been held as truths for many years by our people is not a proof that our ideas are infallible. Mm. Age will not make error into truth and truth cannot can afford to be fair. No true doctrine will lose anything by close investigation. And this was something that you will hear like you said, Calvinists that will point to this like, oh, well, did you know that the earliest Christian believers were Puritans, that they were Calvinists, right? So what she's saying here is just because something was practiced at a certain time, right? And this goes this goes for the Seventh-day Adventist church as well, right? If there was something that we practiced at a certain time as a Seventh-day Adventist, right, doesn't mean that that makes it true, mm-hmm. right? Of course, we know uh, uh, like the whole health laws, right? Ellen White at one point, right? drank caffeine, ate meat, but now led led her to another uh to, to to more light, a progressive understanding. And ultimately, I think this stands even today, right? This uh idea of anti-credal, right? There's a, a quote that I wanna actually find here. Well, 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 John, well, uh, no, go yeah. ahead, go ahead, go ahead. John uh Loughborough, which says the first up the first, and this is kind of harsh, it says the first step of apostasy is to get up a creed telling us what we shall believe. The second is to make that creed a test of fellowship. The third is to try members by that creed. The fourth is to denounce the heretics, those who do not believe the creed. And fifth, to commence persecution against such, right? And that's why, you know, I think it's important that our church is, is, is founded on the Bible and the Bible alone, right? We don't hold to a creed because all of a sudden, when we hold to a creed, we can't uh, attain more light because that creed restricts us to that light. Yes. Yes. Okay. I, you know what? Look, I I feel like I want to jump into a million places right now. Okay. But again, <laughs> shout out to everybody that's watching us right now uh, and that's connected with us. Uh, again, if you got any comments, questions, please let us know. But, but okay. A couple of things, right? Uh, and, and, and Jason, Andrew, I really, really want to hear what your, your guys' opinion is on what I'm about to say. I think what you just said right now, this this idea of creed, is the major distinguishing 
uh, factor that we have or, or characteristic that we have to all the other churches. Okay. And, and I, and I want to read this to you guys and then I'm going to, I'm going to make an application going back to Jessica's question. You guys remember Jessica's question. Okay. So, so here it goes. Um, this is coming from the official page of Seventh-day Adventism of our church. It says Seventh-day Adventists accept the Bible as the only source of our beliefs. We consider our movement to be the result of the Protestant conviction, sola scriptura. The Bible as the only standard of faith and practice for Christians. That's on the webpage. Now let me read to you what's on the fundamental beliefs, which a lot of people get confused because they think that our fundamental beliefs are creed. But in reality, uh, by the way, a creed, in case you don't know, a creed is a, uh, is a formal statement of belief that says that from here on out, this is what we believe, right? And this does not change. So uh, in, in the official statement of our fundamental beliefs, not our creeds, but our fundamental beliefs, the most important statement that is made is made in the very first paragraph, which is the introductory statement, right? Which says the following, Seventh-day Adventists accept the Bible as their only creed and hold certain fundamental beliefs to be the teaching of the Holy Scriptures. These beliefs are set forth here. These are the 28 fundamental beliefs constitute the church's understanding and expression of the teaching of scripture. All right, here you go. Is this what I'm trying to get to, okay? The idea then, based on what you just said, Andrew, based on what we're saying about creeds, is that there is no uh, set way of doing things. The only set way of doing things is the way the Bible says, right? For us to go in and say, hey guys, you know what? This is it. This is just the way we do it. It will never change. Stops us from actually applying this belief as the Bible is our only creed. Because the moment that I say, this is the way it is, I don't go back to scripture anymore. I don't test it to the light of scripture. You got, Hopefully you guys are following me here, okay? Yeah. So we come to the year 2020, all right? And this is this is what I want to I, I want to uh, present to you guys. We come to the year 2020 and we have divisions within the church. And we say, oh, you know what? There are some who are conservative and there are some who are liberal. And I... Don't like those labels, although I understand those labels are real and, and, and they are based upon something. And I wonder the following. I come from a conservative background. I lean conservative. I think you guys lean conservative as well. Okay. We say, no, this is just the way it has to be. Isn't that a problem? Isn't that a huge problem just to say this is just the way we do things? And, and, and that's it. And there's no change. And if we change, then we're doing something wrong because I feel like that's almost like establishing a creed, something that seventh day Adventism is not about. What, what, what say you guys to that? Because I think it's an important uh, question that, that we should answer. Uh, you want to go Andrew or I go? However <laughs> you go, you, I, I've been right. you go first. So, okay. I like how you said the, you said, um, you said conservative conservative background. Yes. Because that's just that's just what I grew up with. But sure. something that something that I find crazy about the human mind is that once you start you could you can have your background, but once you start growing up, once you start living life, once you start experimenting different things, that's when you really see, hey, does this benefit me? Do I believe in this? Do I not? And that's where the both the liberal, the conservative, all of that comes into play. Because it's do, do I want to hold myself to this or do I want to hold myself to that? Do I want to be a conservative or do I want to be a liberal? Now I do have a conservative background. Are there like what are the main things 
And we've, somebody told us to talk about this, and we're eventually going to talk about it. One of the main things for me has always been music. The conservative mm. way, the liberal way, that's always been a big issue. But to me, when sure. it comes to those things, there's it's just, there's just not – there's different way of doing things. Like I'm like, – especially when it comes to music, maybe this song that a conservative might see as, oh, my goodness, the, the devil's all in there. That song was made by the devil. Maybe that song reaches out to somebody and turns them to Christ. And then obviously we know once you give your life to Christ, you change. You, you, you having a relationship with Christ makes your views change, all of that. So when it comes to labeling conservative or liberal, I also have a difficult time with it because there are things that the conservatives do that don't go along with Bible standards as there is that there are things that liberals do that don't go along with Bible standards. And there really has to be, there has to be a fine line and there has to be a medium, like they're not a medium, but a, like a balance between both. Yeah. Like it, 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 it honestly is difficult. It is difficult, but there, there, there has to be a balance between both because conservatives, one of the main things about conservatives and I'm, I'm not going to generalize, but one of the main things is pointing out people's flaws. And that within the conservative group of things, that's something that a conservative does a lot, points out flaws. But then the liberal, we have them on the other hand, and we they say we accept everybody and they kind of point towards the thing of, oh, you don't have to change, just come to Jesus. So there has to be, there has to me, there has to be a balance between both. Yeah. Look, I, and I don't, I don't want to open up a can of worms here, I'm, but I, but I, I think, I think only because we're saying, I, by the way, do you guys agree with me that that is a major distinguishing factor or characteristic within the Seventh-day Adventist church that we don't have a creed. We just say, yeah. what is the Bible teaching us? You guys, I, I'm assuming Andrew, you agree with this as well, right? I, I, I want, I want to speak on this. Can I, can I, can I, can I speak on this? Go for, it, go for it. First, first, first and foremost, I don't want to open the, the music can of worms. I'm not going to go down that route. Yeah. But I, I think it's interesting because you, you guys, obviously someone brought this question out, right? And and we, we try our best to answer these questions. And you said, you know, something you said, uh, right, that you would consider yourself to some degree conservative. You guys both said that, right? And I, yeah. I have literally, I wouldn't say argued with you, Mitch, right? Where I have told you I am not a conservative. And you look straight at me and Look at me straight in the face and you tell me, brother, you are conservative. You are conservative. And I tell you, I'm not a conservative. I'm not a conservative. <laughs> and you will tell me I'm conservative. And I don't know what everybody else thinks. They might think I'm a conservative. But bro, this idea, bro, right? Hold up. Hold on, yes. Andrew, Andrew. Hold on. Look, I literally just changed your name to conservative right now. Okay. Your name is. Hey, you didn't put Anabaptist. I'll take that one verse. You know, I will argue, you know, teeth and nail that I'm not conservative and you'll say that I am. Right. And it goes back to this idea that I do not like ascribing to labels at all. Right. Fair I enough. don't like the idea of liberal or conservative because I don't think that Jesus would ascribe to one or the other. You're either a follower of Jesus or you're not. And that's what we try to define by defining those terms but i think that it can be flawed in some sense i want to read to you guys a quote and i feel like the holy spirit 
sent me this quote because you oh. mentioned this quote today, oh. right? And we're, we talked about last week about uh, 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 a predestination, right? We, we're, we don't believe in predestination, right? But God definitely put this here today, right? This quote that I have from Ellen White, because we're talking about progressive understanding, right? And on top of that, liberal versus conservative views, right? Look hmm. at what Ellen White says, and I think this is powerful. Look at this. It says, whenever the people of God are growing in grace, they will be constantly obtaining a clear understanding of his word. But as real spiritual life declines, it has ever been the tendency to cease to advance in knowledge of the truth. Men rest satisfied with the light already received from God's word and discourage any further investigation of the scriptures. They become conservative and seek to avoid discussion. Many now, as in ancient times, will hold to, tradi to tradition and worship they know not what. When God's people are at ease and satisfied with their present enlightenment, enlightenment, we may be sure that he will not favor them. I want you guys to think about this quote. Look at what she says. She says, and it says, uh, men rest satisfied that the light they already received from God's word and discourage any further investigation of the scriptures. They become conservative. I don't know about you guys, but when I read Ellen White's writings, some of those writings to me seem extreme. I would put Ellen White on the extreme conservative side. But she's saying here that those who don't continue in truth will become conservative. Are you telling me that Ellen White was a liberal, was considered a liberal in her time? No, hold on, hold on, this is, hold on, hold on, hold on. No, hold up, hold up. No, I'm not trying, I'm not trying to say what, I, what, you're, what you think I'm trying to say. But, the, but let me tell you why I'm, I'm asking you to hold on. Because I got a quote yes. for you. I got a quote for you, okay? I got a quote. Can I continue prophecy. with this thought? No, no, no. Hold on. No, no, because okay. I'm going to bring this in just, just, and I, because I, I do want to throw in the words of our, our dear uh, uh, Pastor Giovanni Esposito, uh, a monkey wrench into the whole thing. Here you go, okay? Um, she says, the progress of reform, the progress of reform depends upon a clear recognition of fundamental truth. While on the one hand, Danger lurks in a narrow philosophy and a hard, cold orthodoxy. On the other hand, there is great danger in careless liberalism. Andrew, that quote is for you, brother. Because look, if we're going to talk no, about... Uh, look, on the other hand, she's talking about liberalism too. By the way, and she says, the foundation of all enduring reform is the law of God, which goes back to my original point. But go ahead. I just wanted to throw that in there. No, 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 this this is the point that I'm trying to make, and this is not you guys were completely uh, uh didn't understand what I was trying to say. She was saying saying that if we can if we if we don't continue to ask questions and move into progressive understanding, we will become conservative. Now, if we in the present time believe that Ellen White was a conservative because some of her writings seem extreme to us, and back then she seemed like a liberal. What does that tell us? That means that she was neither liberal nor conservative, but she was a follower of Jesus. Do you see that? Yeah, yeah, but no, but hold you on, hold on. I'm, I'm, saying that, yeah. I'm saying people I'm, in her time thought that she was uh, that she was a liberal for some of the things that she said. But today in 2020, if we get the writings of Ellen White and put them up against some of the things that we practice in church, we say, wow, she's extreme. She's conservative. 
So in 2020, we say Ellen White is conservative. But back in the day, they say that she was a liberal. That, to me, tells me she was somewhere in the middle. Yeah, she was but a follower I, but of Jesus. I, right. But I, I, would, I would argue against this, though. Okay? I would argue against this in, in two ways. Number one, uh, right. you're, you're telling Bring me it. if today... Yeah, if today she would be labeled this, but she wasn't writing in today, she was writing back then, right? So we have to figure out how she was understood back then. And the second thing is that I think we got to make a distinction between what is progressive and what is liberal, right? So when she talks about liberalism, right, it's this idea that everything goes and nothing matters, right? There is no restrictions, just do whatever you want. When you say progressive, though, progressive is not neither liberal nor conservative. Progressive is the idea that we keep pushing forward the ideas that God has given us, the truths that God has given us. Exactly. And that I think is a very important distinction. I do not see the two terms the same, right? I see them different. And when you look at Ellen White, in fact, when she says in the quote that I read, right, uh, the foundation of all enduring reform is the law of God. We are to present in clear, dis distinct lines the need of obeying this law. Its principles must be kept before the people. They are as everlasting and inexorable as God himself. Well, let's just say what things are, right? And what she's saying is, look, the law of God, scripture, the word of God maintains its power over everything in the Christian life. Therefore, I, I, at this point, it's not even about liberal or conservative, which was my original point, by the way, which I think is the point that you're trying to make just in a different way, right? Uh, and which is the point that Jason was trying to make as well. This idea that, look, uh, the question isn't, are you conservative or liberal within the Seventh-day Adventist church? I would say the question is, are you biblical? Are you biblical? Are you testing your traditions, your cultures, your practices, your music to the light of the word of God? That is the million dollar question. I'm really glad that you made that distinction. And I'm and I'm, I'm glad that Andrew brought up the quote that you did, specifically the one saying that if we don't keep on looking in scripture, we'll become a conservative. Because when you put it in the scope of everything, when you look at conservatives in church, and I'm gonna put I'm gonna put my church for example, a Hispanic church. Somebody that's labeled conservative is usually that person that doesn't want to talk about certain things at church, that doesn't want to bring up certain topics, that doesn't want to change how things are. And I, I'm specifically in me, because I've been a director of, I've been the director of Pathfinders. I see that morally like an aggression towards the youth because they don't want to figure out a new way to deal with youth. They don't want to figure out something. They don't want to change things from how they, they are. They don't want to be progressive in the sense of how to reach out to others. They want to keep on doing the same thing. They don't change. To me, in a sense, that's what a conservative is. Someone that doesn't keep on researching. Someone that doesn't try to keep on getting closer to God. Someone that doesn't that, that, that thinks that where they're at with the relationship with Christ is just there. Like, like I'm fine here. Like this is what I believe in and that's it. I don't want to keep on going further in the truth. That's how I see now tying, putting, looking at the bigger scope and seeing the, pulling up the quote that Andrew had said, that's how I see it. That's how, that's how, that's how I understand me. It, that's how I, it's understandable to me. It, j just, just so you guys know, uh, this was not in our plans to talk about this. Uh, so we're going to blame. <laughs> all yeah. We're going to blame all of this on Jessica. Who, who said okay, the question? The question. Who said the question? <laughs> yeah. That was, that was Jessica. Uh, hey, and, hey, she threw you know, a monkey wrench and we went completely off topic. <laughs> And I and I uh, going quality. back on topic, going back on topic. If we're Adventist and we're going to keep on claiming to Adventism, we got to look at the roots of the movement, and everything is biblical, exactly. and we have to go back to the drawing board. In this case, the Bible to really look 
at, at the traditions that we have and looking at what we carrying out in church to really see if, okay, is this backed up by scripture? Is this something that should be carried out in the church still? Can, can, I, can, I, can I say something? Go ahead. I know Mitchell's going to hate me for this because he, he totally didn't want to bring this up. Because we're bringing this back to scripture. Sola Scriptura, or as William Miller would say, Tota Escritura, right? All of scripture, 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 right? As a matter of fact, I have a quote from him where he's, where he's speaking to a young uh, a young preacher. He says, you must preach Bible. You must prove all things Bible. You must talk Bible. You must exhort Bible. You must pray Bible and love Bible and do all in your power to make others love the Bible too. Powerful quote from William Miller. And the reason why uh, I, I wanted to kind of back, backtrack a little bit is because we're looking at the roots, right? Up until this point, point we looked at the puritans uh you know where we see this uh progressive understanding we looked at the anabaptists right or and the restoration movement right uh going back to what the early christian church said right we talked about methodism right where we have the the free will and, uh, and god interacting with his people movement and now we have this idea right that, that we're talking about where, where scripture everything has to be from scripture and william miller was one of these proponents and we look back at the time of william miller and this is why i say that mitchell didn't want me to touch on this right? William Miller had a deist background, right? Deism, right? And I'm, I'm, I'm going a, I'm to a, uh, give you guys a definition so you guys are not lost, right? Deism is a skeptical belief that rejects Christianity with its miracles and belief in the supernatural Bible. Deism utilized human reason rather than the Bible for its ultimate authority, right? And I think that it was important to mention this, right? Because this is William Miller's roots right to look to reason as opposed to the supernatural bible of course we as seven day adventists don't believe in deism but there is something in deism that i think is core that william miller brought to uh, uh, reading the scriptures right and this idea of reason right it, it wasn't uh, uh in uh in the book uh, search for identity he he states that william miller um looked more to uh how would you say it to the the hearer's mind than to the hearer's heart right so he wanted to prove everything by reason like as we said the preach bible everything bible exhort bible he wanted to get to that to the bible so it's important to note that deism was at the center of his upbringing because he approached the bible in that very sense and that's why when we look at his prophecy and how he tackled prophecy right we have to look at the fact that he looked at it from a reason standpoint. Secondly, at that time, mathematics was booming, right? At that time, knowledge and mathematics was booming. And he was very good at that, as, as we know, as, uh, his, uh, his accuracy in prophecy. And third thing was also that science was on the rise. At that time, I throw out this word just because I know it's called Baconianism, right? I, I, I believe it's uh, Francis Bacon where he came up with the idea of the scientific method, right? So we have these three uh, uh, components here at the time of when William Miller is coming to, to prophecy and, and the Seventh-day Adventist Church, right? We have uh, um, a mathematics, we have his deism, and then we have the scientific movement, which allowed him to look at the scriptures in through reason, right? And I think that I make this point because I think that we've moved away from that uh, uh, how would you say it, philosophy 
in our modern day, right? And we talked about this uh, last week, where sometimes uh, as Seventh Day Adventists, we we uh, we we put ourselves in this bubble, right? Where we just talk about the things that we know. Oh, Jesus' second coming, you know, uh, uh, the health, health laws, all these things. We put ourselves in this bubble, but we don't like William Miller use a uh, reason to kind of ask the questions that we don't know, right? And I think it's important to know that the foundation of the Seventh Day Adventist Church. Like, uh, like William Miller, one of the pioneers, had uh, that deist background, which I think was a balance to, the, to all of this. Well, okay, well, just, just, a, just uh, a clarification, right? William Miller was not a uh, Seventh-day Adventist pioneer, but he was a pioneer for the Adventist movement, right? Just, just to make sure so we don't, we, don't, uh, we don't confuse terms there. But um, I, I hear you, except that I would say that I don't think that's the problem. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think that's the problem with uh, modern day seventh day Adventism. I think modern day seventh day Adventism does not think, I think it's the other way around, right? In, instead that's, of, that's what I, that's what uh, when I was we, trying to get at. Well, no, I guess what I'm trying to say is this, look, when we come in and we look at, at, at the, at the rationalism behind it, this is historically what seventh day Adventism, Adventism is, right? The problem is that people are not trying to engage that right now. Uh, I think it's easier for people to repeat a sermon than to actually go in and study the topic. Um, but historically, this is what Seventh-day Adventism is. Like, I don't know why I can't say that, right? This is, this is historically what it's been about. It's been about looking at Scripture as the book above all books. It is a book of logic, of reason, but it is also a book of faith and of miracles. And, and so when I look at the—and for the record, not everyone is doing that. But I think that there are a lot of people who simply look at scripture in a superficial way. But there are great thinkers, in my opinion, right now in Seventh-day Adventism that are pushing the boundaries, not in any liberal or conservative way, but just simply pushing scripture towards the limit that God has given us off the top of my head. I mean, I, I listened to David Asherick. I listened to Ty Gibson. I did listen to James Rafferty. These guys are grabbing scripture and they're pushing those things. And I'm not trying to make a promo for them. That's just the way I, I think you know, things have gone with their sermons. Uh, for example, whenever I preach, I, 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 it's very hard for me. I'll, I'll be honest with you guys. It's very hard for me to grab one verse and speak for 45 minutes. I would also say that's a bunch of nonsense. How could you go up and preach for 45 minutes and only read one verse when the point is to go into scripture, right? This is the basis of what it means to be Adventist, which is, by the way, this is why I'm proud to be Adventist because we're about looking at scripture and saying, okay, keep pushing, keep reading, keep studying. Where will this lead us to? And maybe that's what you were saying, Andrew. Maybe I'm not, I'm not necessarily disagreeing with you, but I, I'm, I'm just, no, I'm no, trying. Yeah. In fact, let me, let me put it to you this way. Um, somebody says, Hey, why should I be Adventist? Uh, and I know this is going to sound so prideful and I'm sorry, guys, honestly, I would say because we are the most biblical church there is at this moment. Okay. Well, not everyone applies to that, but at least doctrinally speaking, I think that we are the most sound biblically. I know others would argue from other denominations, but I, I would beg to differ. And the reason why is because I'm not going to go and have to quote Ellen White for all my doctrines. I could literally show you everything that I believe based on what Scripture says. The Bible. I don't know. I, I yeah. just no. That, yeah. that, that's interesting. I, I wanted to ask you guys a question because I think it leads to a, another question. I mean, another another kind of topic that we're segueing because you were talking a little bit about. Uh, 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 philosophy and all these different things, right? But there's a question that um, that Jeffron wanted us to address, right? If Jeffron's hearing, shout out to Jeffron. He 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 uh, going along the topic that we're talking about, 
And he said, why did the pioneers time set? Right? Why do you think, yeah. right? Obviously, why, why do you think the pioneers time set? Well, right. well, hold, well, hold on, hold on. But we got to clarify. We got to clarify that question too, though. Um, at, at the moment that some of the Adventist pioneers time setted, they were not Advent Seventh Day Adventist pioneers. They were just participants. That's exactly what I was trying to get out of them. Can, can you give us yeah. a, a, a brief a brief summary of what happened for those of, for those that are tuning in and maybe they've never they don't even know what 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 we're talking about? Sure, sure, sure. So, uh, in in short, um. Uh, William Miller begins to study uh, Daniel chapter eight, verse 14, right? 2,300 evenings and mornings. Uh, and then the temple will, and then the sanctuary will be purified. And the idea was that as he's studying it and he's trying to calculate when this is happening, when they go back to the actual uh, calculations, which is the year uh, 453 uh, before Christ. And then they start adding up the 2,300 days. It leads to about the year 1843, 1844. Um, and the the massive uh, uh, um, push in this interpretation was that the sanctuary was the earth, and therefore Jesus was going to come and purify the earth after that much time. By the way, this is the longest time prophecy in in uh, in all of Scripture. Um, and so uh, when uh, when that doesn't turn out correct, right? But the calculations were right, and and I, I think uh, Andrew, you said this right. Uh, mathematics was a big deal. And even the historical events that were happening at the moment, everything started to make sense. And I think in a way, in a way, the great disappointment actually had a positive effect, which is it eventually led people to decide whether or not we're going to keep trusting scripture or not. And when, when the, the, by the way, the mathematics behind this was not wrong. They were right. It was the interpretation of the sanctuary that was wrong. And so again, no Seventh-day Adventist at the moment. This is the year 1844. Seventh-day Adventist church gets established in the year 1863. So we're looking at 20 years later is when the church gets established. But from that moment on, uh, you end up getting obviously people that come out of the Millerite movement and eventually start gaining more truth from the Bible. Uh, William Miller, James White, Ellen White, um, uh, uh, these, these pioneers of the Seventh-day Adventist church that are obvious pioneers. Uh, they come in and they they participated, believing that Jesus was coming soon. But once that didn't happen, then they were left with the feeling Jesus is coming soon. And again, to be very clear, okay, and I'm not trying to diss any other denomination, but the great disappointment was a Baptist slash Methodist slash Presbyterian slash Christian connection mistake. Sabbatarian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, well, you know what? And the Sabbatarian movement was starting to pick up at that moment. Uh, William Miller never accepted the Sabbath, for example, right? Uh, he passed away before before he made a final decision on that. But uh, you know, it was all these mix of things, and they all believe this message. But eventually, you're left with a group. Uh, in, in fact, a number of groups. But the strongest group that came out of that is the Seventh Day Adventist Church, established in 1863. And by the way, since then, just so everybody knows and we're clear, since then, time setting is absolutely not approved by the Seventh-day Adventist Church, okay? That is clear and that is obvious because no one knows the day nor the hour. That is what Scripture says. Yeah. I, I just wanted to add to, to the, the, everything that you were saying. I'll go for it. Sorry, Jason. No, that's just something that, like, knowing all the history and all that, that's something that's, that's always blown my mind, that the Bible clearly says no one knows the time, no, no one knows anything about that. 
that is just going to happen like a thief that comes in the night. You don't know when he's coming. And that, that, that's always something like when I think about it, it's, it's always blown my mind. Like, why did he set a date if the Bible clearly says that, you know, obviously, obviously there's more implications to that. But that's just something that's always blown my mind, especially when there's people out there um, from different religions, different denominations that are putting dates to things specifically on, on Jesus' second coming. And it's like. Come on, man. It's in the Bible. How are you trying to confuse people? Why are you trying to confuse people when the Bible says something else? Yeah. Uh, Andrew. I wanted to add to this. But I, I feel, and you guys correct me if I'm wrong, you know, I, I started thinking about why it was at the time set and kind of going along with what Mitch was saying. If we try to put ourselves in their sho- in their shoes, right, where, where uh, William Miller, right, and uh, is starting to come up, he actually comes up with all these different rules for coming up with uh, a prophecy, right? And, and prophecy is booming now at that point more than ever because not not only is he, not only is prophecy booming just because of mathematics but also because he said he's not only he's time setting the fact that he's coming that Jesus is coming real soon so now there's this huge emphasis on on prophecy right and on, on top of that just as we stated mathematics was booming and also uh, uh, like I said earlier the baconianism which is uh, the scientific method so knowledge itself, was booming at that time and the accuracy of their prophecies and, and all these things were, were so on point. I think to myself, could it have been possible that they were at a point where there was so much knowledge at that point that they almost overlooked what the Bible says when the Bible says that no one, no, no one knows the day or the hour, right? Could it have been that their grasp was of knowledge, right? Or they were so uh, uh, wrapped up and all these different things that almost like they lost sight of, of, of what the, the true message that, that, that Jesus has in the Bible. And and the reason why I bring this point up, right, going back to what we were talking about last week, when we were talking about free will, right? I think that sometimes when it comes to knowledge, where we, we gain so much knowledge, but there comes a point where you gain so much knowledge that in essence, you go backwards, right? When we're talking about the different uh, philosophies of how God knows the future, right? I think that can ultimately turn into being a stumbling block, right? You're filled with so much knowledge that ultimately where you say, where, where the Bible speaks, we're silent, right? But we almost lose sight of that point because we have gained all this philosophy, all this knowledge that we start to set the Bible aside and what it says. Could it have been possible that this is what happened when they were set, uh, 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 date setting, that there was so much boom in knowledge uh, in mathematics and science with the whole deistic perspective that they lost sight of that because they were like, Hey, you know, we're coming up with these prophecies. They're accurate. You know, could it have been, you know, I, I I know I look, I I don't, I, let me just say, I don't, I don't, I don't think so. I, I mean, yes, maybe, but, um, I think we got to give him credit. He had the date, right? Yeah. Yeah. He had, he had the date, right. That that was not the issue. The issue was the event, not the date. Yeah. 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 And so, and, and so by the way, what happened in the mid 1800s uh, to the early and uh, mid 1800s was prophesied by, by by Daniel himself. Daniel chapter 12, verse one. Right. Uh, at that time, Michael shall stand up. And, and then a little bit later in the text, it says, look, and knowledge will increase. By the way, in 1798, according to prophecy, the book of Daniel is unsealed. That is when we enter into the time of the end. So these things were going to be understood more and more. Right. Um, but now we get to a point. In, in the Adventist movement, not the Seventh-day Adventist movement because it hasn't been established, right? But in the Adventist movement where things do make sense and they do fit perfectly, 
but the, the issue was how do we understand the sanctuary, which by the way, if we're going to talk about distinguishing doctrines, and I know we haven't gotten into that, we're almost done with time, but if we're going to, if we're going to talk about distinguishing doctrines, the, the sanctuary, the tabernacle in the desert is one of those doctrines that distinguishes uh, Seventh-day Adventist theology uh, compared to others, right? And so that also comes from this idea of, wait a minute, if the sanctuary is not this, then what is it? And eventually it leads to a greater understanding of what Jesus is doing in a heavenly sanctuary. Now we're opening up another kind of worms. By the way, uh, before, before um, uh, uh, you guys answer, uh, I just, again, thank you to everybody that's watching us and has been connected to us. Uh, if, if, honestly, right now, because we probably have like another 15 minutes left, maybe, um, if you have a question, okay, or, or something you want to bring into this conversation, uh, this would be the moment. So please feel free uh, to send us a, a message at this moment. Um, uh, guys, I, I want to ask you this, honestly. Uh, what, what doctrine or, or what belief in the Seventh-day Adventist Church would you say is a a very very distinguishing doctrine that makes us different to other denominations. What would what, what would you guys say personally? Another another one that comes to mind quick is the state of the dead. Mm. That's I I feel like that's one of the that's that's one of them that also stands out because everybody everybody else like if you go to an Adventist funeral, we just talk about oh we'll see them again on that glorious morning. We'll see them again then. But if you go to any other church, it's like, oh, they're viewing us right now. They're seeing how we're mourning for them. Mm. When the Bible teaches something completely different. So that to me is one one of the beliefs that stands out as well that, that, that that's different. But by the way, can I say something about the belief? I just want to get what your guys what your guys' opinion is. So uh some Adventists believe, just in case, right? We believe that when you die, and so many people that are not Sam Adventists, they call it soul sleep, okay. Because we don't refer to it as soul sleep. Uh, what we basically say is that when you die, um, you enter into an unconscious state. You don't go to heaven immediately, right? Uh, your body has no more life in it. And it's not like your soul all of a sudden just, just dissipates into someplace else. What it just means is you're, you're dead. There's just no activity. You don't know anything. By the way, why do we believe this? Because the Bible says that the dead know nothing, right? Because Jesus himself said that when someone died, that, that at that moment, that person is sleeping. Time is flying by because you are not conscious at the moment. But, you know, uh, I hear it and uh, people will say, oh, you know, someone who's not Sam Devin is, oh, um, uh, you know, my relative died. Well, at least they're in heaven now. But isn't it weird that in funerals we say, uh, rest in peace? Like, what in the world? What are we doing here? We're saying, wait, are you resting or are you actually alive? Which one is it? Oh, I think I think we may have lost uh, uh, Jason, Andrew. I'm not I'm not sure if we did or if we didn't. Um, but uh, yeah, I think we did. But but we'll try to get him back. But I don't know. Is, is that not kind of ironic to you that we talk about? Uh, everyone says rest in peace, but at the same time, if you don't believe in this idea uh, of of um of uh, uh, the soul not being immortal, right? That the soul is mortal, basically it depends solely on God. Uh, that at the end, um, you know, I mean, you can't rest in peace uh, or, you, or you can rest in peace until Jesus comes again. Does that make sense? Oh yeah. It's funny what you were saying. You know, I, I see all kinds of comments o online, you know, and you know, I, we can't like totally bash people. Some of these people are, 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 you know, being honest to, to, to the light that they have and, you know, they'll, they'll say something like, oh, you know, um, you know, he, you know, you're in heaven with the angels or something like that. They'll say some, some little comment, you know, it could be, 
I don't want to say a strong word as ignorance, but you know, their 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 lack of of knowledge, right? And I I think that 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 is what we have to try to I guess get out there, you know, <laughs> that that message. Sure. Uh, no, absolutely. And uh, let me let me add another uh, doctrine that I think. By the way, uh, apparently um, somebody said rest in peace, Jason. Uh, he's gone, uh, but alive. <laughs> I'm back. <laughs> yeah, he's back. Yeah, he's resurrected. He's resurrected at this moment. Um, oh, dude. Uh, yeah, and, and and another thing is the investigative judgment. But actually, I don't even want to get into that. Uh, I, I've been just uh, putting a question here that I think it's worth answering. Uh, his question is: When someone asks what uh, what Adventism is, I guess how should we answer to represent who we are? I, I think that's a good question, right? Someone says, "Hey, wh what what's Adventism all about?" Uh, what would you guys say? How would you guys answer that? The, the resurrected can answer this one. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, something something very quick that I would think is like, well, um, I believe as uh, I believe in the seventh day as being the seventh day of the week, as the Bible says it, um, sure. the, being the last day of the week, and also I believe in the second coming of Jesus Christ. That, and, and you off the top, off the top of my head, without going into death, that would be my answer. So, so you mean you wouldn't say, "Hey, Adventists come from Restorationist and Anabaptist and no, I'm just kidding. If we go, if we go into it, if we go into, it, if you want, if, if this is like, if, if if I'm sitting down with the person and we're having sure. a deep conversation, I'm going to go into the specifics. But if it's sure. just something quick, someone like, "Oh, you're Adventist," like, what's that? I would sure. tell him quickly, like, oh, like, just after, uh, like, just something quick. That's what I would tell him. How would you, how would you answer that, Andrew? Someone's asking you, hey, what, what are uh, Adventists about? <laughs> that's funny that you asked that question because we talked about this a couple of days ago. How it seems like uh, when you when you've studied so much, it's, it comes becomes harder and harder to answer something so simple, something so simple, right? <laughs> no, but uh, it's true, you know. Um, uh, exactly what Jason was saying, you know. Um, I think when we're in someone asking, well, what, uh, the, what are we, uh, what was the question? Uh, yeah. What, what, asked, uh, what Adventist, what Adventism is, how, how would we answer that to represent? Yeah, what do we represent? I yeah. think it, it's important, first of all, to lay the foundation that obviously what any, what any other denomination would lay down that, that Jesus himself came to die for our sins, right? If, if we take the focus off Jesus, first of all, before going into, mm. oh, well, you know, we, uh, our church represents presents the sabbath our church you know we believe in the you know the state of the dead the whole uh, issue you know of um you know the health laws that we start to flood them with all these different things you know i think we start to take them off what the real objective is about you know uh, especially mm. you know since we're known as the people of the book we're known as a you know the the the, the mark of the mark of the beast people right there's all these different things that we can that we can point to that i think define who we are that i, I wouldn't say define but separate us from other denominations mm. as a church but ultimately, I would mention uh, one of the verses I have here is Second uh, Peter, one nineteen. One of my favorite verses when we're talking about mm. prophecy, because you you know all of us have, have grown up in the church, prophecy, 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 right? We we the calculations didn't end with William Miller, right? We have the Vicario mm. Day and all kinds of all these different uh right uh, calculations. But uh, in Second Peter one nineteen, it says here, we also have this, the prophetic message as something completely reliable, and you will do well to pay attention to it it says as to a light shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your heart right right here is giving us the definition or not the definition but the purpose of prophecy right a lot of times when we talk about prophecy we say oh it's so that we can be ready oh it's so that we can know this 
But right here, it's saying that prophecy's intention. It says, until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Who is the morning star? Hmm. Jesus. Jesus is the morning star. So the purpose of prophecy is not so we can just do all this time setting and the purpose is to do all these things, but it's so that Jesus can spring up in our heart, right? So ultimately what I would tell someone, what uh, the Seventh-day Adventist movement, is, yes, we're, all, we're about the Sabbath. Yes, we believe we have a special mute, uh, a, a special um, a message for the people for the end time. Yes, we believe in the health laws and all these different things, but ultimately those things are meant to point us to Jesus. Hmm. Yeah, I, look, I, I, I agree with what you guys are saying. I think that I would just probably even be more specific uh, to answer Ivan's question. If someone were to ask me, what are Seventh-day Adventists about? I would say that we're what our name says, right? We are um, a, a church, a, a denomination, whatever you want to call it, right? We are Christians that believe that Jesus is coming soon and that we believe that scripture is the ultimate authority for our lives. Because that's where the, the whole Sabbath thing, that's really where it comes from from right the reason why we 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 worship on the sabbath the reason you know and looking at you know we, we started talking about this maybe this is a good way to kind of just start wrapping this up right we started talking about how weird it is look i get it right uh there's so many things that we want to do in life and we say hey you know what uh, we want to do this we want to do that uh um uh, jason uh you know i i i know tonio said we can't talk about sports but what about um motorsports maybe racing right uh as opposed no, to like he, football. he specifically uh, said racing he, oh, he said racing. Wow. Okay. That's, that's wow. Well, anyways, look, I mean, I mean, you know, look, uh, we, we, you know, we, we found out through one of these conversations that we're both into formula one and, and yeah, I, you know, you're like, well, I wish I could watch something on, on Sabbath. And yet as a Seventh-day Adventist, unfortunately, almost not always taught this way. Right. But it should be taught this way. But the reason why we stop from doing these things is because we have our eyes set on something even greater. Than, than, than what we have around us, right? And as Seventh-day Adventists, we believe in looking forwards to the second coming of Jesus. And that means looking forward to a better world, to a heaven, uh, to, to a, a, a new earth, to, uh, to, to a new creation, right? That God wants to lead us to. And so I, I ask, right? Um, and, and this may, not off topic, but I just think it's a, it's a very powerful uh, application uh, to our spiritual lives. If I were to tell you guys, hey, I can give you $100 today or I can give you a million dollars a year from now, which one would you take? Right? And, and the problem is that more often than not, we just want what's immediate. We want what's in front of us. And that's not what Seventh-day Adventism, Adventism is about. That's what it shouldn't be about. It shouldn't be about what we get right now in the immediate. It should really be about looking forward to the second coming of Jesus. Uh, so, um, you know, I think I think that's important. Um, it, you guys, did you guys see that? Go ahead, Chris. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah I, I wanted to show it real quick. Can I show it on the screen? Yeah. Um, uh, this is Chris right there. Uh, right. And he says, um, just, just a thought. I think that as a religious world gets more ecumenical, um, uh, Adventists will be more and more. Word. Gets yeah. What was that? Oh yeah, my word. Yeah, I know. I know. Uh, more ecumenical Adventists will be more and more distinguished, and we will be able to more fully share the truths that God has given us. Um, I, I, what, what say you guys to that? Uh, and you know, again, this word ecumenical pops up again. But what do you guys think? Uh, no, I, I, I think he he hit it on the spot. The the more like they're gonna people are gonna want to know why we're standing out, why we're why we're against 
certain th things. And that's where we're able to, to, to point to specifics and point to specifics in the Bible and why Jason, the Bible Jason, backs, up, backs, backs it up. Jason, but can I ask you something, though? Don't you feel like we're less and less standing out as Seventh-day Adventists? I feel like I, – I, I personally feel like at the moment we are because I don't feel like there's that urgency. There's no, there, there's not a lot of urgency in certain things. Like even now, like even now with all everything that's going on with with COVID nineteen and all that. At the beginning, everybody was doing things because they were scared. Mm. Everybody was pushing Jesus stuff out there because they were scared. But now that everybody's normalizing, everybody's getting used to to everything that's going on. That urgency is kind of gone. Mm. That love for the Bible is kind of gone. And that's where we have to be careful. That's where I feel not just not just not just seven day Adventism, but just like Christianity in general has kind of like subsided because of that, because everything's going back to normal. And then mm. we have to be very, very, very careful with that because once that dies down, once our spirituality dies down, it's gonna show that it was a fake spirituality to begin with. It was a fake sentiment to begin with. It was never something that because out of my love for God, I'm going to go do these things. It's something because I'm scared and I'm scared of what could happen if I'm not with God, that could happen. Not, 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 yeah, I, I feel like a lot of it wasn't something that was genuine. Yeah. I think, you know, uh, look, I, I honestly think that, um, Adventism is not about blending in. Uh, blending in matters very little in Adventism uh, or it's true not. Adventism, or at least the, 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 the basic principles that are behind Adventism. It's not about blending in. Uh, it's simply about uh, letting scripture determine what is right and what is wrong. Right. Obviously uh, going to Jesus, but allowing the Holy spirit uh, to lead us to truth. And that's it. And that, and whether that means you blend in or not, doesn't matter. Um, and, and I think that a lot of times, especially as young people, like there is a tendency to try to blend in because standing out Standing out is tough. Like that's not the easiest thing in the world. Um, but and yet, man, do it for Christ, man. Look, I, you know, look, I, I, I find this interesting. And again, this is maybe a little bit off topic too, but I, I think it's worth mentioning. Um, you know, a lot of a lot of the like uh, social progressive movements in our world right now are all about standing out. Uh, you know, it's funny uh, if you look at, for example, uh, LGBTQ movements. Uh, literally, the word that is attached to them is pride. Right. And it's pride in who you are. Right. Or pride in who you are identifying to be. And I wonder for a second, what's wrong with us? Like we, in, instead of being proud that we have been given this light, we we hide it. We we, we shy away from it. Right. And and, and in, instead of saying, hey, look, this is what I am and this is who I identify. No, I, I try and make sure that I dance around the issue that I'm Seventh-day Adventist. I'll say I'm Christian, but I won't say that I'm Adventist. You know, I'll say that I believe in Jesus, but I won't say that I worship on the Sabbath. Man, forget that. Be proud of who you are. Be proud of what you believe in. And 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 understand that Adventism comes from a long line of, of believing that scripture and the word of God is the ultimate authority in our lives. I, I think I think that's important. I think I think yeah. part of it, especially as as youth, I feel like part of it has been because there's so many wrong connotations of Seventh-day Adventism out there. Because one individual did something wrong, and that's what's what's sadly stood out instead of what we, we really stand for. And because there's been a lot of criticism over certain things that have happened, I feel that's part of why the youth 
don't necessarily like be like, hey, I'm Seventh-day Adventist and I'm proud of it. And it's because of that. But it also relies on us and it also relies on the youth to change that stigma. It, 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 it's, it's right now, especially with everything that's going on right now, it's our job to really change that stigma and really show what the Seventh-day Adventists are about. Like, I'm pretty sure that a lot of, a lot of the youth didn't even know that the, that the Seventh-day Adventist church had a lot to do, had a lot of writings, had a lot of beliefs in getting rid of, getting rid of slavery and all those things. Mm. I'm, I'm pretty sure a lot of them didn't even know that. And that's part of the reason yeah. why, because of all those wrong connotations out there about Seventh Day Adventism, that a lot of them are like, "Well, I'm Christian. Yeah, that's it." Yeah, and uh, it's it's uh, our job to change that. To we have to change that. You guys hear me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Hello. Yeah, yeah. Um, I just want to get to. Uh, I like the the statement that that uh, Christopher made, right? That uh, as a, re a religious uh, world gets more and more ecumenical, Adventists more and more distinguished, right? You know, I want to. Uh, I'll share with you guys a quote that I thought was uh, it's in the preface of that book of uh, search for identity that I think hits it right on the nail. And I didn't want to open this can of worms. Hopefully I don't have to go into too much detail, but um, uh, in this statement, you got, says, you, got, you got one minute, brother, you got one minute. So okay, go ahead, says, open it up in, in the close <laughs> in the closing pages. Dr. Knight emphasizes what it means to be seventh day Adventist Christian. He states that the genius of seventh day Adventism does not lie so much in those doctrines that make it distinctive or in those beliefs that it shares with other Christians. Rather, it is a combination of both sets of understanding within the framework of the great controversy theme found in the apocalyptic core book of Revelation. It is that prophetic insight that distinguishes the Seventh-day Adventists from other Adventists, other Sabbatarians, and other Christians. I think this is such a powerful statement because in essence, what he's saying, it's not all these things that make us different, right? Or, you know, these things are important, right? The Sabbath, uh, the health laws, all these things that we get into. But in the grand scheme of things, right, the thing that distinguishes the, the most is how we interpret uh, all this in the great scheme of the great controversy. Something that uh, that Jason was saying that, that I think was powerful is that, you know, as opposed to other churches, and I didn't want to get into this whole can of worms, right? The the, uh, the the people that believe in preter preterism, right? Or or futurism, right? Prophecy in those lines of thinking was established when those prophets were around. Or in the futuristic mindset, that prophecy doesn't come along until right before the second coming. But we as Seventh-day Adventists believe that that prophecy starts when the, when the prophets are around, but continues all the way to the end. That means that us as Seventh-day Adventists we are living in prophecy. We are in the great controversy. It's in and out. And I think that that is what distinguishes us more than anything beyond all the different churches is that there is a urgency to be ready. Just like uh, uh, um, Jason was saying, there is this sense of non-urgency. And I believe the, the message that we have brings urgency in the grand scheme of the great controversy. I, I appreciate that, uh, Andrew. I, I think that's a that's probably a good way to start closing this up. Um, we we are not done with this conversation, right? Uh, yeah. In fact, um, uh, Andrew just mentioned the great controversy, and I think that's going to come into play next week uh, because um, next week uh, we're we're so we want to talk about the Adventist identity, but we want to be fair with it, 
And uh, today we just kind of talked about where it came from, some implications on that. Um, but uh, next week we're going to be talking about one of the uh, uh, most important elements of, of Seventh-day Adventist Church, which is uh, the spirit of prophecy. I don't mean the books. I mean literally the spirit of the prophets, right? And where where prophecy falls into this. Um, and, and the great controversy, and again, this is, I think that comment is a great segue into what's going to happen next week. Uh, one of the one of the biggest exponents on the great controversy is Ellen White, and so we got to figure out what her role is, uh, her role as as what we would consider a modern day prophet um, uh, for the Seventh Adventist Church. Uh, we got to figure out what her message was about, right? And we want to talk about that next week. So, um, so there's going to be uh, yeah. I, I just saw I I I see uh, uh, Jessica's message there. She says there part two. Right there. Yeah, there like it is. The emoji. Yeah, there's an emoji there. Yeah. Uh, definitely, uh, we're, we're going to be having a, a part two to this, but, uh, next week, if you have questions about Ellen White, if you have questions about how we use Ellen White, if you have questions about, um, the, the, um, uh, the, the interpretation of prophecy next week, we're going to be discussing that assuming God gives us life and, and, and health. Right. Uh, but, but we want to jump into that because that is such an important element of the Sam day Adventist church guys, we got to wrap it up. Um, uh, you know, it's funny cause I have this timer here. And literally the timer just uh, lapsed. And so it says that we've been on for only four minutes, but that's not what it is. It just ran out of digits. And and it just says we've been on for way too long. That's what it's saying. Um, but anyways, so we're going to continue this conversation. You guys okay with that? Andrew, you're okay with continuing this conversation? Yeah. Jason, you good with that? Yeah, I'm ready for it. Perfect. And I'm hoping that all of you are good as well. Um, so we're going to wrap it up. Uh, by the way, you guys know what we're talking about next week. If there are any questions, uh, Jason, how can they uh, reach us? Hit us up on our Instagram. Our Instagram has every other medium to contact us. Um, it's keep calm advent on, um, there you get a direct message us. You can send us emails. Um, we even have like a little thing where you guys can fill out questions. Um, whatever it is, just reach us out. If you have those questions, um, if not, Come ready with those questions next Sabbath and be prepared to throw them out on the live chat. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, and we have not even come close to answering the greatest question of them all, which is why do we eat haystacks so much? Right. And uh, <laughs> you guys know, hey, I, I think uh, that deserves its own Sabbath on its own. Yeah. And probably we're just gonna have to, I know that's gonna be like part three or part four. I have no idea. Okay. But uh yeah, definitely hit us up on Instagram. Um, let, let's try to wrap this up with uh with a, a word of prayer. Um uh Jason, want to lead us in a final word of prayer? All right then, guys. Um uh, but before we go, Isada Sicarius sure. had put 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 a text on there, and I think it's important for anybody in the Christian life. And it's Philippians 3.14. It says, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward calling of God in Jesus Christ. Hmm. That's it. Like she says right there in the comment, we're in the Christian race. And the Christian race isn't about who finishes first, who finishes last. It's a a race of endurance. Absolutely. Who reaches the having God, God be the one that keeps on pushing us forward. I I guess so with that, um, let's pray. Father God, I want to thank you, Lord, first of all, for another day of life that you've given us. And not just any day, Lord, but a Sabbath, a day where we could rest from our physical activity throughout the weekend to be closer to you, Lord, to separate time to spend more with you. Now, Lord, um, you know that we were talking about our history as Adventists, what it is to be an Adventist and what it is to how we came to be, Lord. 
Um, as much as you guided those, those, those pioneers to form the seven day Adventist church, Lord, I pray that you guide us and that you keep on that spirit, uh, that, that spirit within us, that spirit of learning more about you to want to ask the harder questions, to learn more about the harder questions and to keep on getting closer to you, Lord. Uh, please, uh, Protect every single one of our viewers, for those that are watching live, and for those that will be watching, Lord. And may it be, may this conversation and these series of conversations that we have be a, be a guide for them to you, Lord. Uh, please bless every single one of them, and keep on keep on pushing us in this race of the Christian life, Lord. Don't let us fail. Don't let us give up. Help us to keep on pushing forward. I ask for all these things in your name. I pray. Amen. 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 Uh, Jason, uh, thank you so much for uh, the prayer. Andrew, Jason, uh, appreciate the time here. Uh, unfortunately, well, no I'm putting this last comment. I know there's the comment. No haystacks. <laughs> no, no, no. You can you can have haystacks, but at home, okay. Unfortunately, we cannot provide you any haystacks. And I know you got the ingredients for haystacks at home. And if you guys don't know how to do haystacks, Jason's going to bring us a recipe next week. That's one of the most complicated right, things to do. Just in, so that we yeah. end with something that has to do with oh, haystack. Oh, there actually is a fun fact. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not sure. I've heard it before, and then I pulled it up, and it was the same one. I'm not exactly sure how truthful it is, but um, the Seventh Day Adventist, uh, Seventh Day Adventist way of doing haystacks, is actually credited to a lady named Ella May Hartland, and it's actually kind of funny. And it says that this was this dates back to the 1950s. And it says that she created the, this version for for um, of, of of food. She called it the haystacks due to the fact that they did not have a Mexican restaurant close to their home. There we go. Look at Latinos they and they did not have the convenience of having a Mexican restaurant. So she came up with haystacks. There you go. Look at look at Latinos <laughs> representing right there. All right. <laughs> Oh man, that is great. We appreciate that. By the way, you just answered why we eat haystacks. Why? Because there is no Mexican restaurant I nearby. Even, I can't even tell that story without feeling biased. I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyways, well, look, we want we want to thank all of you for joining us once again. Um, we uh, we hope that all of you were blessed in this conversation. If all goes well, we will see you next week uh, around the same time. Um, and you know, you guys already know what I'm about to say. All right. As things get crazy, because they are COVID-19 cases are just spiking right now everywhere, which means, Jason, you already know. What do we got to do? Yeah. Keep on washing those hands, guys. That's right. That's right. Keep wearing those masks. Keep wearing those masks. Keep washing those hands and keep calm. Keep calm and Advent on. That's our message. We hope you guys all blessed. We'll see you next Sabbath. God bless.